high school each Sunday night. I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your hosts, Keith Varney. Leo. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. It's season three. Have we ironed out the kinks? Going by Kindergarten Logic. First is the worst, second is the best. This third season is the one with the hairy chest. And welcome to the Out of Practice podcast. We are premiering season three of The Practice. Very excited. We are getting into the sweet spot. I have no idea what you just said about season three. What did you say? Well, I said, judging by Kindergarten Logic... First is yep. the worst, second is the best. That means this season is the one with the hairy chest. You know, I've never heard that. Get the hell out of here. I've never, I had literally have never heard that. You've but never I heard do first is the worst, with a second is chest. the best? You never heard that. No. If you've ever heard that, write in. Sean Varney, you've heard first is the worst, second is the best, third is the one with the hairy chest. No, is that a Vermont? You guys were sheltered from from crass colloquialisms like that. We are protected from that level of nonsense. Yeah, I think it's quite possible. So there are no train service uh, here in Astoria today, Keith. So I I was driving my wife down to the 7 train. Uh, Usually Uh, it's a... Shuttle busing it. Yeah, it was usually a 10-minute drive. But Bernie Sanders and AOC are here in Astoria today. Oh, are they? They, Well, I I know they're here in Queens. Where, Where is the rally? Uh, down on Vernon Boulevard in one of those parks down there. Oh, under oh the bridge. By, the, by the water then. Yeah, down oh, by the cool. water. It's beautiful outside. There's a huge political rally aimed to soft-shelled liberals taking place. It's one of the last kind of warm fall days we're going to have, and we've decided in the midst of this beautiful day to go ahead and sit here together virtually inside and watch TV. 99% of Astoria is out watching Bernie Sanders, and 1% are here talking to you. That's great. Now do an AOC, and let's really get, <laughs> let's really get ourselves in trouble to start the new season. I, I do not have an AOC yet. Okay, that's fair. Anyway, that's why I was a little tardy today, Keith. Had nothing to do with my bowel movements. It's just I had to do some driving. 99% of your excuses are about bowel movements, and 1% or about Bernie Sanders. Keith, I have to say, I love to, you know, tease you, but your political impressions are very, very impressive. Oh, thank you. Well, I mean, it's it's not fair because uh, Bernie and I go back. We, uh, as a Vermonter, of course, there's only four of us in the uh, 
in the state. So yeah. you pretty much get to know all of your representatives at one point or another. So I I have, uh, I don't know if I told this story in the podcast, but I've actually sat on his desk while he did a press conference in, uh, in his office in Burlington wow. way back in 1993, 94. Hmm. Nice. So... Yeah, and and he was well known at that point already because he was the mayor of Burlington, then our congressman, and then our senator. Keith, I want to tell one more story that has nothing to do with anything before we get started. Well, that'll be a first. As longtime listeners will know, I have, in my ever ongoing struggle to increase my internet speed without paying for it, <laughs> I finally recently had called RCN once again, whom I love. I've been with them forever. Sure, and, as am I. And told them, you know what? How much would it cost since I'm on your super loyalty program and I'm paying $40 for 500 megabytes download? How much would it be to stay on that super uh, loyalty program and just give me and just get up to the gig? Let's just get up to the gig. I was like, you only have 20 megabits down or 20 megabits up. So it's like, you know, how can you accomplish? Anyway, long story short, they're like, well, we'll give you the gig as a free bump up for being a loyal customer. So I'm supposed to be getting gigabyte downloads for $40, Keith, which is a steal. You know, that's some bullshit right there, because I think I'm playing 65 for 250 Now, of course, <laughs> this is why if you're an annoying white guy just asking for things for free, you get them. <laughs> oh, it gets so much better, though. So... Oh no! I'm running download tests and stuff is happening, and I guess my guess is that they hadn't provisioned me correctly or whatnot. So I wasn't getting those speeds. I was getting 400 to 500 downloads. How dare I not get the free thing I demanded for no reason? So they're like, "Well, we don't, we can't figure it out on our side." I called them, and they're like, "We'll send a guy out." I was like, "Well, okay, send the guy out." So the guy comes out, and I have my twenty dollar bill handy to like tip him should he like. Because sometimes those guys hook you up, right? Right. So he runs the test and it's like 860. And I'm like, I swear to God that yesterday it wasn't this. Like it was slow and it wasn't, ha I wouldn't have had you come out. I felt like really guilty all of a sudden. And he's like, well, you know, why did, why did you have us come out anyway? He's like, five, 600 is really good. I was like, well, he's like for non-fiber, that's really fast. And I said, well, I'm paying for, I'm paying for a gig. I want to just get what I'm paying for. And he looks at me <laughs> through my soul cocks his head and goes are you paying for it and i was like <laughs> he already knew and i was like uh, i started like bumbling on my words at that point i was like fuck this guy he's right but damned if i'm gonna give him more money <laughs> you <laughs> you have been flagged sir i know it's it's getting bad i don't know that i'm getting any more loyalty programs like uh, they full-on like the tech knows that you're a big fat liar <laughs> <laughs> They're like you're just on you're on the complaining list. You're on the pain in the ass list. Speaking of oh pains in the God, asses, yeah. what's happening with our favorite pains in the asses over in Boston? Over in Boston, yes, it is season three. We've gotten all the way through season two, all twenty eight episodes plus a season recap, which I'm I know you all enjoyed, even though they haven't been uh, <laughs> hasn't been released yet because we are so on the ball. That we haven't even released the previous episode, and we're recording this one now. Wow. It's pretty exciting. So, yeah, season three of The Practice, we have leapt forward from May of 98 
to September of 98, and boy, there's some life changes going on for us. There's some changes going on for the show. It's very exciting to dive right into. What do you say? Let's dive. But this is normally where we would be inviting people, uh, the new members of the jury who left us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. But at this point, uh, nobody's showing up for jury duty. So please uh, do us a favor. Show up for jury duty. Join the jury. Leave us a rating or review. Also, send us an email at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Out of Practice Podcast. And go to the blogspot, outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. I update that every week. Check it out. There's lots of fun stuff there. You know, to, to really play this analogy out to its logical conclusion, its legal conclusion. Yes. Theoretically, Keith, it is people's legal obligation and civic duty to join to show up for jury duty and (laughs) so uh by that logic if you are listening to this and you haven't left us a rating and review on apple podcast this is illegal yeah we're pissed (laughs) we're coming for you personally you know i (laughs) i feel like the best way to uh build a good uh relationship with your audience is to threaten them directly it works for the president it does indeed. Yeah, although I'd be curious what his uh, rating and review on Apple Podcasts would be. Well, bet well, it would be exciting. Mm, well, maybe we'll find out next week. Maybe we will. But first, we have to talk about the first Sunday night broadcast of the practice, where it is going to settle settle in now. It's coming off the Emmy Award for Best Original Drama. We have a we have an Emmy winning actor on the series now with Cameron Mannheim, and if you missed our episode last week, you shouldn't have because we had all of that fun stuff there. Uh, so th- it has now gotten the Plum Sunday Night broadcast because now, if you're wondering how was that a good how was that a good slot on Sunday night because that's got to go up against football. Well, this was before mm-hmm. Sunday Night Football. The, yeah, the late slate of games at 425 were the la- were the last games. It was. And so you were freed up. You didn't have to watch Al Michaels, you know, pretend not to be interested in football. I guess it was going up against the Simpsons, or was this a 9 o'clock air? This was a 9 o'clock, yeah. Okay. So it would be after the Simpsons, Simpsons, you can click over and watch the practice. It was uh, pretty exciting. All right, but first... We have to talk about this day in the basement. So, changes, big big changes. Although you were just going into senior year, I had the bigger change. But let's talk about yours. Well, I was going into senior year, which is pretty huge. In in, but like you, I had already figured out where I was going to go to college. Well, where I thought I was going to go to college, I guess. College and me had a long tortured relationship, as I'm sure we'll explore in the years to come, in the seasons to come. Uh, But, like most, uh, my sort of quote-unquote future was established. I was going into senior year, and I really wasn't cared too much about school. I really didn't attend a lot of classes my senior year. I was sort of flaky, but... uh, Well, at that point, you were a a rock star. Yeah, I was a rock star. But one thing I always have been is a hopeless romantic, and... That is true. I I can attest to that. And I was head over heels in love with uh i've mentioned her in the past my 
second girlfriend ever. Her name was Lara. Beautiful redhead, wonderful, kind-hearted, just just a, a glorious person. Haven't spoken to her in years, but uh, I'm I'm hope I'm wishing her well in whatever she's doing. However, I was a senior in high school, but she was this was her freshman year of college at Swedesburg University. Oh, you were dating an older woman. That's what yes. it was. And so I was, it was about an hour and a half, two hours from where I was living at the time, uh, which I guess was home. And I was commuting uh, when I could on the weekends up to see her. So chances are high that in this late September Sunday, I was hauling my cookies back from her university and uh, getting home before midnight or my dad would flip out so that I could go to school the next day. So I was just being in the prime of my life, loving my girl, driving my butt off, listening to my CD mixes uh, in my... 1999 Honda Prelude. Uh, yeah. That's well, it. That's, Keith, nice. that's the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Great. Yeah. Well, I was uh, not going anywhere. In fact, at this point in my life, I didn't venture more than three blocks away because I was just starting my freshman year at the Eastman School of Music in downtown Rochester, New York. So it must have been uh, 30 below by now. It was, yeah, just about that. We did get a fair amount of snow, although coming from Vermont, it wasn't, the snow and the cold wasn't shocking, but I'll tell you what the problem with Rochester is. Basically, between September and late May, there's only one weather, and it's gray. You don't see the sun from September to May, and it's gets really oppressive, especially in the winter when there's no sun anyway. Actually, me, Keith and I have a second podcast. I lived in Rochester for a little while, too, and our second podcast is called Let Me Tell You What's Wrong with Rochester. <laughs> well, I, honestly, in the late 90s, Rochester was grim. But I went back last year, actually, for the first time, and it's better. Is it? It's Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's especially the downtown still got a ways to go. Um, but it's certainly improved a great deal since when I was there. It was practically a war zone. Yeah, I was there like 2003 to 4 5, so... Yeah, so you were there just after I was there. Um, but yeah, no, it's totally better. Anyway, so I was starting, uh, starting my freshman year, and I'll, and I'll just sort of, like, set the scene, uh, this week, and then we'll get into, like, specific stuff, but the, uh, the Eastman campus, if you could call it a campus is just one block because the entire Eastman School of Music is basically one giant building right in the downtown of Rochester. Um, There's the Eastman Theater, which is this gorgeous Gorgeous. 3,300-seat theater. Um, And then they had the Kilbourne Hall, which is a uh, 500-seat right next to it. And then you had uh, five stories of um, classrooms and then another building with like a bridge across it that went up 12 stories that was the practice rooms and rehearsal halls, that kind of stuff. So basically across the street from that were our dorms, which were also just one building uh, that was sort of a circular building with a courtyard in between and then a tower that went up. And uh, so if you just went to class and back, you wouldn't ever go more than a block away 
from where you were, which was a good idea because Rochester was it was it was a little dicey. Like if you wanted to walk to Wendy's, uh, you had to order your Wendy's through bulletproof glass. It was that kind of a neighborhood. Um, and of course, like we're a whole bunch of like nerdy music students going and, re- and practicing for 12 hours a day. Uh, and n- not me. <laughs> Please do not confuse me <laughs> with any of the studious students who practiced or paid any attention to what was happening. But yeah, so I was, uh, I'll get into my classes later, but this was, uh, this is where I was at, at this point. I was adjusting very poorly to the new environment. <laughs> and, uh, you know how we were saying at the end of, uh, last episode about how 1997, 98 was such a good year and felt great. Oh, 98, 99, not as good, but we'll get back <laughs> to that. As yeah, we, we'll, go. we will absolutely do that. Um, <coughs> uh, but tell me more importantly, while you were away and your parents were either crying because the nest was empty, you're the baby, right? Uh, no, no, oh. Scott was still there. Sorry, Scott. So the the nest was not only not empty; it was filled with a uh, hockey playing jock running around all of Vermont. Uh, winning championships on the ice and uh, on the soccer field, actually, and lacrosse. So your parents probably weren't too broken up that you weren't there. I don't think my parents are ever broken up that I'm not there. Okay, that's a different podcast too. Uh, but if <laughs> but if those not broken-hearted parents had popped over, popped open that Vermont uh, newspaper, Keith, what would they have been reading? Well, you know what I'm going to tell you. But first, just for you, because you have. Uh, expressed such interest and excitement i'm gonna play the number one song while i talk about this because i want to get as much of it in as i possibly can i could stay awake just to hear you breathing garbage oh, i love this song i'm so excited when I, could, could you just complained about it so when I saw that this was the number one song, I was so happy. This, of course, is I Don't Wanna Miss a Thing by Aerosmith, which played over Deep Impact. No, uh, Armageddon. Armageddon, the other asteroid movie. Not only is this a phenomenal, super catchy song. Here we go. Here we go. It's a, this video has 258 million views on YouTube. And it is a really awkward, passionate love song in which the girl in the uh, video is his daughter. Yeah. His Liv Tyler. So that's a little awkward, but you know, we're just going to pretend we don't see that. Anyway, to get back to the local paper. Have you noticed that Steven Tyler is slowly morphing into a lesbian vampire? Oh, he's always been one. He's just an older one now. (laughs) Uh, Touche. It's like a lesbian vampire lizard now. (laughs) Anyway. It's like poachers are out for his skin so they can make handbags (laughs) and sell them at Ben. (laughs) Sell them on the street. Some rich person's rug soon. 
wow. <laughs> uh, whoa. Season three, guys. Season three. We're off to a great start. <laughs> anyway, the local paper, the Burlington Free Press, talked about how Vermont home sales lag behind the nation, uh, which is definitely a thing that is still happening. Uh, when I was a kid in Vermont, we were the kids of the baby boomers. So my schools were always crazy overpopulated and had to be like emergency additions and they built a classroom in our uh, gymnasium cafeteria when I was in fourth grade. But didn't you say housing was lagging? Is that what the headline was? Right, right. Well, once all of us left, there weren't anywhere near as many people or kids left to repopulate. So they actually closed down one of the schools in my town today. And that's right around the time period, though, why I find that interesting is that was right around the time period uh, in the country where they would give a, a mortgage out to anybody. And I don't want to miss a thing. Right? Like the mortgage, it was all those like... The mortgage crisis, well, that was about 10 years later. That was like, ni- that was 2006, 2007. Oh, well, it's a good thing I'm uh, up on my current events. <laughs> that's why Mike well, dropped sh- out of college. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also could very much... It also could have been easy to get a mortgage at that point. Uh, but I sure as hell wasn't trying. I was working at the dining center at school, making the princely sum of $5.50 an hour. Oh, I was working at Angelo's Pizza, baby. Yeah. As if that's not uh, uh, let's go. Let's just move on. <laughs> anyway, so if we were to spend our $5.50 and to, to go see a movie, we would go see Rush Hour. The first rush hour, which was in its second week of dominance, pulling in $21 million. Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker? That's right. Okay. Thank you, Aerosmith. I'm so pleased by that whole interaction. I haven't looked, but I dearly hope that they're still number one. Come uh, come next week? Oh, yeah. Can't wait. Anyway, so let's talk about... Oh my, you know what? I I paid for the new jingle thing, the new uh, soundboard. And every time I close the app now, I have to re-import all of the sound files from a backup on Dropbox. Every time so, I close the app, I gotta <laughs> de- re-download the files from my old shitty Dropbox. <laughs> Yes, that's exactly right. So that's annoying. We're going to have to talk about that, iJingle Pro. Hmm. This, yeah, this episode of that. Season 3 of the Out of Practice Podcast brought to you by iJingle Pro. iJingle Pro. Fuck you. <laughs> exactly. You know, on this show, we're going to call out our old bad teachers by name and our products, our defective products, also by name. But... If we luckily none of those things existed on September 27th, 1998, when they were watching season three of The Practice entitled Passing Go, it was written who else by David E. Kelly, who was just coming off a uh, best show award and a Peabody, and directed strangely by two people by Michael Schultz who most recently directed Pursuit of Dignity and Dennis Smith who most recently directed Axe Murderer they must have had some sort of a 
scheduling thing that caused them to have two directors for an episode of television. So we'll try and see if uh, we can spot the different directing styles fighting. But first, before we start the episode, we have very important question to ask. And that is... What does Mike think's gonna happen? Uh, well, Keith, brought out the ukulele for you today. I love how you you unpacked and probably tuned a ukulele, got it all ready, had it ready to go, and then all you did was pling. Uh, well, I should mention that I don't play the ukulele. Uh, that's been hanging on my wall for about five years. I, it was a gift for my wife because she really wanted to learn how to play the ukulele, and there it has been on the wall for the last five years. So I figured oh. I would pull it off the wall today. Well, we have a banjo on the wall here. Ooh. Uh, but I did and figure we, out a G And chord. we have Eric's ukulele, too, still in our house, holding it hostage. I don't know if this title is meta for the season, since it's... My guess is that Pass and Go is referencing Monopoly, where you uh, pass Go and collect $200. It's the start of mm-hmm. a return, or it's your next revolution around the board. So that's my meta guess. But for the episode, I'm going to guess that... Uh, it's about new starts. Everyone is going to have uh, uh, something new and fresh happening, and, and uh, we're going to focus on, I don't know who specifically, I uh, can't guess, but we're going to, uh, somebody has something very, very brand new happening to the surprise of everyone else. Uh, I, I would say something as big as a pregnancy or something like that. Okay. Well, that's an excellent guess. Is it? No, well, we're going to find out. Oh, okay, good. Well, uh, I guess we should play our brand new ad, shouldn't we? Oh, yeah, which I should probably write. Mm, yeah, we're going to have to record <laughs> that. It's all out of order here, people, just like <laughs> shooting out a television order, show. Out of order, out of practice, out yeah. of everything. Uh, okay, so we're going to roll that right now. Ladies and gentlemen, The Practice, Season 3, Take 3, Episode 1, Passing Go. I sure hope we pass this opening scene. <laughs> Remix. Go for your variants. I could care. You're in a single-family class zone Look boarded by a school and his old cell phone. I'm really worried Love that I'm going to a variance to put up a nightclub. No, I won't talk to their families. He's Wall Going Street wheeling and dealing right now. He sure is. Oh, he sees a sexy lady walking down the street. He sees someone we're supposed to think is Allie McBeal. <laughs> oh, shit! And that dude just got hit by a car. And four out of the six oh extras don't seem that concerned. Oh my god. Now, if you look at that station wagon, my old friend uh, Mikey Dorda's mom, Peggy Dorda, used to have that old station wagon. It had the uh, seats that you sit backwards in in the, in the last row. Uh, I used to have one of those as well. And I'm so glad we're talking about our old station wagons when Bobby McDonald got hit by a car. That's right. No, sorry. Sorry. Yes. No. Oh, my God. Bobby got hit by a car. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Key. Priorities, no. man. I know. I know. So on this intro here, does it feel like it's a little more saturated than it was before? It does feel that way. feels like somebody decided to put a little bit of color into the credits. Man, Mostly Bobby blue. was having such a good day there. He was seeing a little 
hot piece? He was snapping that phone like you he was cock of the walk. I can't even understand you. Don't tell me to calm down. I hit him head on. He could be dead. He's lying in the street. Have you called the police? Yes, I called the police. What if I killed him? He's lying in the street. Okay, so of course the lines are crossed once again. Calm down. This man that is talking to Eleanor on the phone hit Bobby with his car. And so here we go. Now, so it's the first crazy coincidence of the season. Oh, yeah, (laughs) yeah. The ambulance isn't even there yet. Bobby's just laying on the ground. Yeah, Bobby's just like down, dead fan. Somebody with the guy you hit. So happy the fans are still there. He just darted out in front of me, and oh, he seems to be moving. Don't let him move. All right, right. rule one don't let him move. I love how nobody is down helping him. They're all just sort of like, look at that dead guy. I got an open bottle of bourbon in my car. Should I throw it out? Helen, I, I can't advise you to do that. So what do I do? I, I mean, if he dies, I'll go to I don't know, call 911? It's going to be a start. Uh, I don't know, maybe a, a third of a bottle? A third of a bottle? Keith, did he just admit to be drinking and driving with bourbon he to Eleanor? He sure did. So he has an open bottle of bourbon in the car, of which he has had a third of. <laughs> which <laughs> look i don't know what size bottle it is yet but there's not a lot of sizes of bottles that i could have a third of unless it's the airplane be- bottle that's your only hope yeah because uh, just drive off that, no, that's, no, that's not a, not a off small amount so tell me what to do you have a bottle of bourbon right there yes it's right here i've got to start drinking it. it all right start drinking it Oh! What? Good call. Start drinking it and drink it out in the open. I will be right there. Eleanor, what? Drink the bourbon. I love how he's incredulous that her suggestion is drink the bourbon. His suggestion was, should I just drive off? Right, the hit and run. All right, so so let me ask you this. Why did you tell him to drink the bourbon? Well, uh, twofold. One, like she said, calm your nerves a bit. Two, then at least it's empty. You know what I mean? To all right, so to get to to get rid of the bourbon. Yeah, and then he could make the claim that I wasn't drinking before I hit him. I hit the guy. I was nervous, waiting for nine one one. I just I had this bottle in my car. I started popping it. I mean, I guess I shouldn't be saying lie, but that's basically what I'm saying. That's impressive. And you swear you have not seen this episode? No. Wow, you and you and Eleanor are in sync right now. I will tell you, though, that one time I was driving, it was pitch dark, Keith. It was on 21st Street here in Astoria, and this guy did not at the crosswalk in the middle of the street where many people have been hit and killed here, tried to cross the street, and I was inches, inches from hitting Are we hearing about your hit and run? No, I wouldn't say that I would have killed him because I wasn't going that fast. I was making a turn, but it was close. Jen, Jen, like, screamed and stopped me from hitting this guy, and I... It's the first thing I thought about. I'm like trauma. I'm triggered just by seeing this thing happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, 21st Street in Astoria is a death trap. It is just chaos. I mean, quite literally, people die there all the time. Now. I can get up. No, oh, I wouldn't. Bobby's fine. I'd wait for the ambulance. Uh, I think I'm okay. I, um, I rolled with it. it. Sounded nasty. You're not okay, Bobby. <laughs> Did anybody catch the I name of that lady walk across the street? Tell us in your own words what was, happened that night. Obviously, After an Ally McBeal stand. The library, we all went back to the dorm. Okay, we're you, back. We're into a courtroom your now. Your roommate and Brittany Foster. Yes. So what did the three of you do then? We just hung out a little. Thought about seeing a film. 
and that, that's when things. Kevin and Brittany started kissing a little, and then they went into his room. Hello, Helen you Gamble. Do it, y'all? Fan. Fan. Felt a little uncomfortable. Jersey blowout. I mean, she was 15 or so. Tell us what happened next. I could hear her. All right, it so was like there were some I think we should talk about. Scream. I know that lawyer from somewhere. Let's work through our lawyer and our guy on the stand. This lawyer is played by Lee Garlington, who you would know from Broken, The Killing, Nip Tuck, West Wing, Everwood, Townies, and Psycho 2 and 3. I really like Nip Tuck. It's a good show. I don't recognize her, though. No, I, they're not always major characters. They're just interesting things on their IMDb. And this college kid on the stand is played by Christopher Ryan Winters, who you would know from Shameless, Sherman Oaks, Picket Fences, and The District. Is his name Christopher, or is it Christopher, and you just said it weird? Well, see, if it were Christopher spelled with a C-H, I'd say Christopher. But it was it's K-R, so I went Christopher. Because it felt more exciting. <laughs> well. I wanted to differentiate, you know, on the spelling. That's fair. Okay. It doesn't make any sense, but I, <laughs> it's different. Um, and since we were talking over it, uh, the scene being set so far is that he was uh, with uh, uh, two other people? He, uh, yes. he a, a woman has been raped and murdered. Assaulted? And he... Yes, assault and murdered. I don't think we know that yet. Sorry, I'm. I, I just play it, play it. I'm. I'm talking over what's going to happen. I had a bad feeling, so I went in there. And what did you see? I saw him pushing her to the floor, trying to get her clothes off. Oh, potential rape. He screamed at me to get out. And what did you do? I appointed him Supreme Court Justice. Joel, why didn't you stop him? Shots fired. I don't know. I guess I was a little scared. Why not call the police? He was my roommate. I think I wanted to believe that nothing was really going to happen, but... And I was afraid of him. Anybody who could make a decision on his hair like that guy clearly makes bad decisions. And when you got back... That's you the defendant. Yes. Mm. You saw him molesting her. You were afraid something bad was going to happen, so you just went for a walk. Asked and answered. Anybody see you on this walk? I don't think so. Where was Kevin when you got back? Gone. He came back a few seconds after me. He pretended he didn't do it. That's when I called the police. That's when you both decided to call the police and had No, no. Objection. He killed her. I called the police. How long did you wait for Kevin to get home before you called the police? What's up, Eugene? I don't know. Not long. You were looking for his permission to call, or you just didn't know the number? Objection. Uh, the resolution, the saturation, and just the quality of the image all seems better. Yeah, it really does. I, it's like, uh, the lighting seems to have improved a great deal, uh, to match the saturation, but it's, you definitely have a higher contrast than we've had before. The, you know, like the blacks are blacker and the the colors are brighter and it looks crisper. It's not HD yet, but it's definitely an improvement on the picture. 
It's it's HD Way to go, Emmy searching. Yeah. Withdrawn. Emmy Muppet. Why did you bother to wait at all? Why Emmy didn't you just call the police? I was in shock at first. And then he came in. You strangled her and decided to frame Kevin. Objection. Isn't that what happened, Joe? I didn't do you it. You decided Objection. to take his story, Sustain. make it your own, pin him on the murder, Strike. and you Objection. it. Sustain. The jury will disregard all of that. Okay, we've had our next practice uh, <laughs> cliche where we accuse the guy on the stand of murder. Crossing the street, I, I may have You saw him door. rape I, that I, girl, I so you were like, I can I pin the murder on him. I, I heard a, a screeching sound, and, and the next thing I knew, I was. He was rolling up my hood, and then and then over, and I thought, God. He's I full on talking dead. to the cop and drinking. How much from did you have to drink, sir? Uh, this much, I guess. I needed to calm myself. Uh, <laughs> uh, I wasn't drinking. All right, before the so accident, it's not like an economy-sized bottle, but he's had enough there that would wreck me. Is that '90s hair, or is he wearing some sort of toupee? I think that's '90s hair. Wow. What were we thinking? Oh, but we should. Guy who apparently holds his liquor better than I would. Guy who took my advice. He really did. That guy is played by Richard Gilbert Hill, who you would know from Grey's Anatomy, Chicago Hope, Major Dad. And he played a Borg in the Next Generation episode, The Descent. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. The line must be drawn here. This far, no farther. Our first Star Trek of the season. I swear. Anything else? Uh, Alan? Oh, front rolls up pimping in that cab. He just ran out in front of me. Okay, I know. I'm just trying. Can I be of any help? Eleanor? Bobby, what are you doing here? I'm the guy who got hit. What? Are you okay? Well, my back's a little stiff, but uh, what are you doing here? I'm his, I'm his lawyer. This is Alan Gam, Bobby Donald. He's your client, the guy who hit me? Yeah. Uh-oh. Small world, huh? Um, are you sure yes, that you're okay? Yes, it is a small is world. Is he drunk? No, he um, drank after the accident. He's just calming his nerves. That's exactly what he told me. Almost the same words. Oh, Jesus, well, Eleanor. That's because we spoke Eleanor. on the I'd like to give him a breathalyzer. Absolutely. We will cooperate Why? we can. Like, what do you need to know from the breathalyzer? He just drank three quarters Bobby? of a bottle yeah. of bourbon. He's you fine. know he's drunk. Sure, he'll take the breathalyzer. Could you hold this for me? Uh, oh, sorry, it's a little heavy. That's my Emmy. Yeah. He's okay. He, uh, the guy Eleanor's client hit was Bobby? Yeah, he rolled right over the car. And he's okay? Well, he says he is. I mean, he's not even going to the hospital, so he must be okay. He Why is she checking the mail so intensely? Something? What? In the mail. What? I check the mail. This is what I do. Well, you're rifling through it. Like, I'm not rifling through it. Why are you being yeah, so Yeah, you're snoopy? rifling through snoopy? it. Yes, Snoopy. Yeah. I can't even sort the mail without you. Sorting you can't search for something. You're I mean, do I spend my day protecting Guys, why are we fighting? Why don't you redecorate a home or something? What's going on? In God's name are we fighting Why is everybody being so nosy? Bobby gets hit by a damn car. Everybody's interested in how I sort mail. You know, that's just really Oh, great. I, sh- I really should be giving everyone entrance applause. Yeah. <laughs> Was I out of line? The jury looked like they were believing him. Keith, can I say this with all due respect? Sure. The added saturation really, really helps Kelly Williams out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think she needs our help, saturation or otherwise. I know, uh, but she's very fair-skinned, so I think this really pops the redhead and the freckling, and just like, you know, it makes me respect her a lot more. 
We knew he'd be good, Kevin. Mike Which means is thirsty. He's thirsty. First one of those this season. Mm, first of many, many, many. Keep your finger on it. He killed her. He just got up there and told my story. Uh, the problem is he has no record. You got no burglary, so... He was 17. Listen up. Everybody. Joel has no record. You do. Joel comes from a wealthy family. You don't. You don't. Joel has put up shrinks to say that he couldn't have done this. You can't afford to buy any experts. Joel got to testify first. True or not, if you get up there and tell the same story, it's not going to play as well. Kevin passed the polygraph. Yeah, but Joel you know what Joel has that you also have? Used. Guy who also gets a bumper. Double bumper buddy. <laughs> so what's happening here, in case you can't tell, is that there are two defendants in this murder trial, each represented by different lawyers for the single murder of this girl in the dorm room. So the first guy, Christopher, and this guy are both being accused of this murder, but they are fingering each other. So this one is played by Chad Danella, who I certainly know from Final Destination. Mm. He was also uh, in on the movie Blind Spot and Saw 3D, The X-Files, and... Smallville. One of my faves. So Eugene's client is the poor guy. Right. And he's saying that what exactly what the other guy just said on the stand is what happened, but I'm that guy. The opposite. Yes, exactly. Yeah. They're, say, they're both saying the same thing happened, but they're saying the other guy did it, but Kavanaugh has more money than the other guy. Just the kind of story you want to listen to two other people telling you about whilst they're watching the show. <laughs> yeah, you What's know, going on here, hop Mr. on to Hulu, guys. Watch along with us. I'm saying if there's a deal to be made, we might want to think about it. But it's going to involve some sort of guilty plea. No, I'm not pleading guilty to anything. He killed her. He did it. We've been over this. It doesn't matter. I'm fine. I am. You should at least get checked out. Want me to do it? Yeah. Okay. Come see the Are you kidding? I think you just like Lindsay and the boyfriend. Uh, well, shirt. right now I got some stuff to do. Yeah, that's absolutely Bobby, we've true. Under construction over two months, you haven't so much as poked your head in. You barely go near the library, for that matter. I trust you. It isn't Lindsay's that. Lindsay's been making big curious? renovations. I've seen it. Come see it now. I will, Lindsay. Right now, I have some things to do. Bobby, you're being a dick. Blow one more time. I think we need a bumper for that. Bobby's being a dick. Being a dick. Excuse me? One, two. He's flammable. Wait, so he only blew a .12 after after drinking all that? So, all right, so let's do the math here. No, 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 no. I think he blew a 1.2. No, a .12. Oh, wouldn't he be dead? I think... (laughs) Yeah, 1.2 was his... (laughs) <laughs> his blood would be more than 100% alcohol. <laughs> I, to be honest, I, I don't really drink, so I'm not sure what's good and bad. Yeah, all right. So the legal limit in most states is 0. 0.08. Okay. And he was a 0. 0.12, which means that he drank almost the rest of that bottle. So like he at, more than doubled his alcohol 
content, but only got up to a point one two. So honestly, if he hadn't had any more, he probably would have been under point oh eight. Hmm. Hmm. Don't worry about it, Alan. Excuse me, one minute. It was your idea that I drink more. Alan, you have to trust me. Don't worry about All right. it. Let's go. Eleanor. I I'm going to work it out, Alan. I'm gonna work it out. And also how can you have a valid breathalyzer test when you know and have seen him drinking after he was driving? How are we doing? So you don't know what it was before he started drinking know. after They're the thing. They're both accusing each other. We may not get either. Helen, this is a front page homicide. I know. 15-year-old girl. You don't have oh, we to know tell that guy. We sure do. Guy telling Helen to get some of these kids. I guess he's the district attorney. Yeah, that is uh, Helen's boss is played by none other than Ronnie, Ronnie Cox. Cox from Beverly Hills Cop, RoboCop, lots of cop stuff, uh, St. Elsewhere, Total Recall, another cop thing, Cop Rock, Deliverance, but all of us who are of my ilk will know him as Captain Jellico from Next Generation. Uh, really good performance. Iconic. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. Captain Jellico. I mean, him in Total Recall, I think, is one of the most, speaking of iconic, it's so good. Oh, I mean, in RoboCop, too? Oh, yeah, I RoboCop. I can't prove that they did it together. Remember in RoboCop when they pour coffee from his, like, groin? Are you telling me? Vaguely. Helen. These kids cannot walk. I know. Do what you have to do to at least get one of them. Uh, anytime an, a, dis- a district attorney says, do what you have to do, that's... She some murders sh- someone. <laughs> you won't even make PC, Jimmy. You ran a guy down broad daylight drunk. He got drunk after the accident. That extra well, looked at the camera three otherwise. times. Come on, <laughs> there's no injury. Why are we even wasting our time here? Point one two. Well, I'll give you dry reckless. You can take his driver's license for 90 days, and you can fine him $1,000 if you want. Jimmy, it was Bobby Donald that he hit. Do you think I'd want him to walk? Yes, he would, because you're his lawyer. He could have run down your own mother. Jimmy, please. Wait, you're a lawyer too, buddy. Get off your high horse. Dry reckless and his license, 90 days. Thank you. And your Emmy. And half of your Emmy. <sighs> Thank God. Oh, anytime she, that's not gonna, great. that great is job, not over. Whoa, whoa, wait, you barely looked. I looked, it looks. Wait, I worked hard on this. And you did a beautiful job. Don't shine me on. It's a conference room, Lindsay. What do you want from me? I mean, you did a beautiful job. You want me to call Architectural Digest? Ha <laughs> Zing, he's being a dick though, Bobby. He's being it's a dick. What is going dick. on? Nothing's going on. Your fancy coat though. You obviously have some problems. Is that an indoor or an outdoor if coat? I do, what is it's that? my problem, not yours. It's a pea coat. What am I missing? Had sex with Look, a duster. My father works in the big fancy mm. law firm. I'm just this not. It's been fashion corner with Keith and Mike. That. We are not becoming a big fancy law firm, and, and I, I thought you loved your father. I do. I, I, I just. Just what? I don't know. Bobby's being a dick because Bobby's got some daddy issues. Daddy issues. Just like us. You do know. 
I just promised myself I wouldn't end up at some blue-chip law firm and become the fat cat lawyer. It's just a conference room. I know. I mean, I thought by this age, I'd, I'd at least have been uh, accused of murder once or twice. Oh, wait. Oh, wait, I have. I don't get you, Bobby. On the one hand, you seem to be saying you love your dad, and yet you also seem to be saying that you don't want to turn out like him. I don't I'm not get- saying that, Lindsay. You did a great job on the expansion, okay? We don't need to keep talking about it. Okay, so let's let's just unpack this a little bit. Yeah. Let's look. Clearly, he does have some daddy issues, don't we all? Sure, don't we all? But can they be so severe that he can't even look at the conference room because it's too fancy? Uh, it's definitely TV severe. <laughs> like that's not a thing that would ever make sense in real life. Uh, but it's definitely a, it's, it's a TV thing. Yeah. I mean, if he was like, I don't like the amount of money we're spending on it, then I'd be like, yeah, okay. As the boss, I get it. But like, who gives a shit? Yeah. Well, Clearly it's just he not, greenlit it. It's not subtle. It's not subtle foreshadowing. God, but look how dreamy he is, man. So dreamy. Fine. We're in Helen Gamble's office. She's looking pens- pensively at her files. Here comes Eugene. How's Bobby? He'll live. The other kid did it, Helen. You know it. I don't know it. He passed a polygraph. The other kid... Inadmissible. In court, maybe, but... Eugene. You're trying a kid for murder. A kid you know didn't commit murder. Stop telling me what I know. This isn't right. And don't give me the morality speech either. At best, your boy saw a 15-year-old girl getting mauled and went for a walk. At worst, he killed her. Either case, I have no problem putting him away. There is a fair difference between those two when it comes to being put away for life versus like, dude, what's wrong with you? I'll give you conspiracy. If he agrees to testify, they were in on it together. They weren't in on it together. Conspiracy, power yes jacket. or no? Superpower jacket. No. Dry, reckless. Police can't prove he drank before. At no time. See? That's what I was Bobby. saying. I don't like being a rat. The resolution definitely Eleanor seems told higher. The guy to drink. What? I guess that's he just lighting. After he hit you, I think it is just lighting. Yeah. Drinking. She told him to drink there in the open so they could argue he got drunk after. Eleanor told him to drink. She didn't know you were the victim at the time. Oh God, Rebecca! She What's got wrong? the letter. We're pleased to inform you. What? She passed the bar. She passed the bar. What? Oh, you are all over this episode. You take the bar. Oh, Hold on. I'm going to I know that lawyer from somewhere. It's Rebecca. Look at that. Rebecca passed the bar. Hold on. I'm looking for applause. Here it is. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the wrong cue. It's time to oh, God. There it is. <laughs> Congratulations, Rebecca. You got one MVL and then you went to night school. Wow, that's incredible. It brings me to my newest bumper, Keith. You ready for it? Ready. <clears throat> Keith, spoiler alerted that back in season one. 
<laughs> I totally did. I totally did. Law school at night. For the last five years. Holy shit. What? Why, why didn't you tell us? Because I, I don't know. I guess I was afraid if I failed. Now, Keith, we give credit when credit's due. We call it out when there's a single tear. So we got to call it out when there's crocodile tears. Crocodile? Well, those aren't crocodile tears. Those are just regular tears. She's mm, happy. No, those were that was those were fake tears. I don't know. I need to see it again. I'm going to play it again. This is All just right. for our edification because nobody else can see it. <laughs> Night. For the last five years. What? Mm. Why didn't you tell us? Because I, I don't know. I guess I was afraid. No tears to wipe away. I just didn't want to tell anybody. <sighs> Pass yeah. first try. Five years you've been going to school? Because you never know, like, Monica, what take right. she got on that. Like, totally they might have done it. her cut. She might have been crying for three hours and they didn't get to her coverage until last. Yep, I'm not going to lay it at her feet. All I'm saying, though, is that it does, it does hurt your chances at an oopsie. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm very happy for Rebecca, though. I think it's great. Eleanor, not What's as happy. On? Eleanor, in my office. Oh, shit. Did you tell your client to drink after the accident? Bobby. Yes. And the or lighting no, in the scene is so much better than the first two seasons. Yes. That's the equivalent of tampering with evidence. Look, hold on. Oh, you get off get your far. horse, Bobby. Bobby. It's no different than telling a shooter. Although this is her second could get disbarred, right? Her and her and Lindsay had a little bit of an uh, escapade. Yeah, although in this case, I don't know if this is disbarable. Bobby just said it is. Oh. Well, you know, where to hide I trust him. That's fair. I panicked. Everything happened so fast. I know. I know. It was stupid. Not stupid, Eleanor. Criminal. Oh, shut up, Bobby. You want to risk your career? That's one thing. But doing it in front of Jimmy and Lindsay, you expose them as well. They have a legal duty to report you. Yeah, and your girl, ex-girlfriend killed some so cops. I. I wasn't thinking. Two of them. I hope that's true. Now, those are real tears. shouldn't be tried together. One job, murder, Cameron. one trial. There is such a thing as judicial economy. There is such a thing as fairness, Your Honor. Is that why we're in here? We should, however. That judge who is uh, overseeing the two kids accused of murder... Is played by George Coe, who you would know. He was a uh, done a ton of acting in front of the uh, camera, but he also does a ton of voiceover work, including in the Transformers movies. Uh. And uh, he was also in Stepford Wives, Kramer vs. Kramer, Archer, The West Wing, L.A. Law, and uh, Max Hedrum, m- which m- is another m- show m- that m- my Max uncle worked on. <laughs> Hedrum. Yeah, well, you know, my uncle uh, did that show before Next Gen. Oh, I was a huge fan of that. Yeah, well, he was... Uh, I don't know if he won an Emmy for that one. He might have. Ahead of its uh, time. Ahead of its time being a pun because it's about a head in a TV that's sort of like... It was sort of the first AI type of character. Yeah, it, uh, it was an early one, yeah. It was certainly one of the first CG characters. We got anyway, two co-defendants claiming George the same Cole, story. Good actor. One went for a walk, the other killed that girl. Her client got to tell a story first. Which you can argue to the jury. This should have been severed from the beginning. You and made you know- that argument, you're lost. You can take it up on appeal. 
Now, I suggest you concentrate on the battles you can win. This is politics. Public wants to lynch somebody, and you're afraid if Eugene, you... You know Kevin Peters I innocent, and you don't have you the guts to... Just... You're free to take hey, it. Hey, you know better. This case should have been kicked from the beginning. You are one remark Whoa. away from a jail cell, counsel. Eugene, you've been, like, screaming at She's judges back-to-back seasons. She's trying to coerce back a conspiracy confession from my client because it's the only way she can convict her client. That's your theory, not mine. Right. Eugene is pissed. He's also hours. right. Tuesday's the last day to a certain sanity if you're going for that in the Bowdoin trial. Man. How about the research on self-defense? Jimmy's still working on it. Okay. Wait, that's the conference room? Yeah. That's what upset him? Yeah, it's... it's- just it, a conference room. It looks like your principal's office with two coffee carafes and some apples. It's not exactly like tea time, Bobby. Relax. <laughs> That's hysterical. And look, they have nice little leather folio briefing folders. Yeah, it, it's nice. It's not like... It's not so fancy. I think he's realizing that. And he realizes he was a dick. She might have went overboard with the apples. Are those apples? Uh, yeah, I guess they are. Chairs look comfy, though. She's having a tough time. Does she need to be in the room every day? Her I daughter was killed? You, Mr. Foster, we have a tough case. Yeah. Emotion is going to count. The defendant's parents have been in that room every day. I think the victim's parents should be there, too. We talked about this. I know. We've made it this far. It'll only be a couple more days. You have to get these boys, Miss Gamble. They walk. They walk free after. They won't. I promise. They won't. See, here's where I want to. Why are they trying them together? I don't think you should. Before you get up there, you got to be clear. About- it. It, it, w- it seemed. It was intimated that. The- pre-trial they fought to try them separately and eugene lost that yeah like why why are you allowed to charge two people with murder at the same time shouldn't like just in terms of like everybody getting a fair defense and if you can't prove that it was one and not the other then isn't that reasonable doubt yeah i don't know that's a question we'll have to put on our list for uh our potential guest Oh, you know what? We should start a list. Okay, yeah. good. Because, uh, you know, there's precedent. My cousin Vinny. They both got tried together. Different lawyers. Yeah. I mean, I know what happens, but like, hold on. I'm going to I'm gonna start a list. Trying... Who, who were the two lawyers? It was, it was Vincent Gambino was the lawyer for, for uh, Ralph Macchio and my cousin Vinny. And the other, oh, it was Austin Pendleton. Oh, Austin. I didn't know. He was, I forgot he was in that yeah, movie. Yeah, he was like a stuttering mess. About something. The jury doesn't like you, Kevin, and you're not going to change that. 15-year-old girl leaving her there, knowing she's in trouble. The goal isn't to get them to like you. So don't start defending yourself like you're some good, misunderstood kid, okay? Yeah, okay. Now, this is important. Once you get up there and say it's all him, it's done. You can't later say that both of you were in on it. Well, I wasn't in on it. I understand. But on conspiracy, you get 20. Good behavior, you'd be out in 10. Murder one, life. Once you testify, there's no going back. Oof. Are you advising me to lie? No. 
This is a really tough situation. Then why are we talking about it? I can't believe you're suggesting an innocent person plead Your guilty. Your son isn't something. innocent, Mr. Pete. Now, he may not have killed her, but him walking away... Let's not call him innocent. Eugene's well, going through might... some things. Yeah, it I'm seems off. like he is. Just a few weeks. Or maybe longer. Eleanor. What I did, Bobby, it would have been bad enough had I thought about it first. But I did it on reflex. So Eleanor wants time off. I did it on off. instinct. I mean, how do we beat it? How can we fool him? I know. Why don't you just drink out in the open? It was as easy as a knee jerk. Well, she's a partner now. She still gets paid. You yes. want to know what else is spinning through my head? Too bad the guy's still breathing. A judgment on wrongful death is really minimal compared to pain and suffering, so liability-wise, it's pity. He's still alive. That is you know, can we, can we... I think we should stop here and work through the four practice cliches <laughs> that we have seen thus far in this episode. Number one. Crazy coincidence with a client. The guy who hits Bobby happens to be Eleanor's client. Number two, accusing someone on the stand of murder who is not on trial for murder, although that was not quite true in this case. Three, shouting at each other for no reason. And now four, lawyer questions the morality of her job for most of episode. And we get the bonus of two of those four things happened before the opening scrawl was over. That's true. Or credits, as they're usually called. Yeah, I don't know. I went, I went to a place. I <laughs> We get the final star. I know you're not even a huge Star Wars guy, but the final trailer comes out tomorrow during Monday Night Football. Some time away. Oh, we're scaling we're back starting. on the criminal cases, Eleanor. We're becoming more. Bobby, new furniture and paint jobs aside, we're not going to remake ourselves. I can't give you time off. Not now. We have too much going on. Can you wait just a little? Just don't wish me murdered anymore, please. Bobby's suit is fucking fly. Although, Keith, you'll notice he's doing the... You're never supposed to button the top two buttons. Oh, right, right. What's the rule? Always, sometimes, never. Ah, you know, you know what mine are? You want to know what the worst Don't part is? Don't wear a suit. If you hadn't no. been the guy who got hit? No, can't, 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 because I got too fat. I'm really proud of myself just about now. Can't, can't, can't. <laughs> a case... My own case. <laughs> Stolen bike, one day trial, a couple of weeks from now. No big deal. Hey, well, can I do it? Rebecca's got can a I case. Unbelievable. Jimmy's giving it to her? You know what? That, that's because Jimmy had to fight so hard to get his first case. Him giving one to Rebecca seems really cool. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good moment for, uh, for Jimmy here. Yeah, no. Yeah, why he had to fight... Good. I, I I really like this development for Rebecca, and I like how it's helping Jimmy. It's just a stolen bicycle. So I'm guessing Helen's not stolen. joining the firm. Can they make intent? I mean, have you talked to the client? Doesn't it, seem it, like it could have been a mistake. I mean, did the bike look like his own or duress? There could have been exigent circumstances. Oh, is he a minor? We, we might be able to make out undue influence. Oh, have you interviewed the arresting officers? Oh, uh, Becky. And I'm in that bike. I mean, what about that? I mean, are there any chain of custody issues? I mean. How can we possibly be ready to go in two weeks? We have two weeks. That's, she's awesome. This could be ugly. <laughs> That's great beat. That scene from top to bottom was fantastic. <laughs> he just reversed it. He stayed and I left. To go for a walk? Yes. If you thought she could be put in danger, Kevin, 
How could you just leave? I was afraid. Of what? Of him. A little. You know, I, I am ashamed that I left, but like I told the police, I think I just really wanted to pretend that nothing bad was going to happen. It's called denial. It should happen. And I walked out that door. It's not good. She was found in your room, Kevin. But Joel brought her there. You both brought her back in there, didn't you? No. No, he did. And he killed her. See, the problem the here... in 1990... ...is that both of their stories are perfectly plausible. Right? The guy brings girl back to somebody else's dorm room, then it goes haywire. Right? And the guy sort of sees something going iffy and then gets to, you know, gets squirrely about it and walks away, which is definitely a huge moral failing, but not really a legal one. I, I feel like there's still like, here's, so the other person walked away. So regardless of who did it, right, it's still hearsay because they didn't, neither of them claimed to have seen the other person murder the person. And... Because this is what we're focusing on, it, we can only assume that there's no physical evidence. If she was raped, wasn't there any DNA or semen or anything that they can tie one of the two kids to them? Is it because they're both there that it's confusing? Like, they haven't gotten to any of that kind of... Right, right. Or there were there defensive wounds, were there... So, like, they're just yeah. talking about the kind of hearsay aspect of it. So, it's it's a shitty case for Helen anyway, apparently. Yeah, it's it's odd. Feels like it's been simplified for our pleasure here. Mm. And I before I think it you do it yourself or was there anybody else with you? Myself. You committed the crime on your own initiative. Objection. Overruled. Did anybody see you on this walk you took? No. I'm sorry. It's just a little too convenient. Like the perfect crime. They both blame each other. Jury doesn't know who's telling the truth. Perfect. Except, Helen, you do know who's telling the truth. That polygraph. They're not foolproof. They're close enough. They're not at all. Do you think they both did? Put that on the list, Keith. Well, good idea. We know that polygraphs aren't legally admissible. Admissible. But are they, right. how are they viewed by the, the legal community? Are they, is it hogwash or is it kind of basically respected good point maybe it's easier to believe a kid could kill than to see somebody about to be killed and just walk away no you could have gone for murder too walking away you could have argued reckless disregard i never would have made that and you know it as well as i do look if you're trying somebody for murder and you don't have a good faith belief he committed that murder look eugene already gave me this speech are you here as my friend or as co-counsel Cliché number five. I don't think you should have a blow-up poster of the victim in your office. Right? That's from a friend. Like, wildly blurred lines between... Conflicts of interest, yeah. Right. Oh, now we're at a fancy law firm. Hey, Bobby's Mary. walking in. Hey, he knows the Bobby. secretary. Is it his dad's law firm? Seems like it might be. Bobby! Hey, Mr. Kilburn. Yeah. I haven't seen you in a while. Been busy. I know, I keep track. My dad around? I think he's in the little boy's room. Good to see you. You're looking well. Thanks. Are we going to have a father-son urinal scene? We dad? just might. You in here? Mommy, is that you? you slacking off in there? <laughs> yeah, you know it. 
Oh, whoa. Oh, switched it. So what do I Twist. Ah, I was in a building. Bobby's dad is the oh. janitor at the fancy oh, office. But we definitely okay. have to. Who's dead? Bobby's dad. Who's dead? Chip off the old block. Or the block, the block that, the that chip has been chipped. Chips off. Yes. The, yes. <laughs> the chipped block. That is none other than. I always say none other than. I have. To break oh, that we, habit, I, well, at some point, I will be doing a supercut of the things you say repeatedly. <laughs> That's interesting. Well, you know, you know, there's a ton of them. <laughs> well, you know, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that actor that we are talking about is Charles Dernick who you would know from Dog Day Afternoon, The Muppet Movie, mm. The Sting, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, Rescue Me, Everybody Loves Raymond, Evening Shade, and Tootsie. To- Terrific actor. Yeah, he's one of those guys you're like, oh, I know him. Because you do. And I just told you from where. You canceling Sunday? No, I'm not canceling Sunday. Do I ever miss? Well, you're stopping by like this. Uh, you must... So it's not You're that it's up. not that Bobby didn't want to become his dad. It's that he felt like his dad was demeaned at the fancy place. And so he never wanted to become that. So it would seem, yeah. Which I think oh, is a much more as interesting if I tell absolutely. Wrinkle here. To yourself. <laughs> no, I was um, chemistry. I was in a building and uh, Hey, listen. We just finished our expansion at the office and I was wondering if uh, you'd like to come see it. I'd love to. But I have to work. It's done? Finished. Um, today's tough. But but tomorrow... Excuse me. Yeah. Great. It's uh, a really good acting beat there. That you, come over. you should really get onto Hulu to watch. Perfect. Because somebody walked through, walked in between them while they were talking. And you see Charles Durning. Demure. He sort of stopped. Yeah, he, he stopped his sentence and he looked down. And it was a really effective um, sign of how he is treated or how he feels like he's treated there. Bingo, bingo, Compact. Bingo. What? Product placement. Just pull an old college Fan. transcript Fan. from the arresting officer. The bicycle case? He was asked to leave Tufts when he was suspected of plagiarism some uh, To Keith's point, that scene takes place exactly at 25 minutes into the episode. Season three, episode... One. I'm also decided hey, that I'm going to keep talking impeach. about where you can licensely, where you can uh, stream this in a licensed fashion, so we are less likely to get sitting on the bike. <laughs> so says the plagiarist and the other cop. Well, who's he going to believe, some kid or his own partner? All I have to do is show reasonable doubt. Oh God. What? Oh God. Nothing. Eleanor's being smug. You know. You haven't even said congratulations to me. Do you have a problem with me being a lawyer, Eleanor? No. <laughs> Thanks for all your support. Yeah, geez, Eleanor. You get one Emmy. <laughs> congratulations. You don't want anybody Michael. else to be a lawyer. You're a member of the club. You just earn the privilege to distort and manipulate the most noble of all judicial systems. The privilege of delivering opening statements, promising evidence and witnesses you know you don't really have. And you're going to get to warn all your clients against telling the truth, so you'll be able to put them on the stand later to commit their perjury without really exposing yourself in the process. 
Oh, and um, you'll get to beat up on a bunch of rape victims at probable cause hearings, scaring them off from testifying at trial. And you'll get to buy lots of little presents for all the clerks, so they might schedule all of your trials on Fridays when the judges are in great moods just before they hit the road to Cape Cod. But uh, best of all, you're going to have the joy of securing the freedom of all your guilty clients, and you'll never have to see them again until they murder or rape the next person, but that usually takes about two to three weeks, so... Congratulations, Rebecca. I feel like they can use Whoa. that entire speech in a previously on the practice. From every single episode. That is cold. But here's what we're going to do. You're going to give the same speech that I will underscore to somebody who has just started their own podcast. Okay. All right. Ready? Hold on. Let me, let me get the piano up. Okay. Oh, God. The mic is Oh, that's bad. Okay. That sound is terrible. That's, that sounded horrible. All right, all right, here we go. Oh, congratulations on your new podcast. You're going to get to record for three hours and then realize that your microphone wasn't on and have to do it all over again. And then you're going to mix it the next day and realize that Keith's microphone wasn't on and you're going to have to do it a third time. Finally, after nine hours to record the first episode, you're going to post it. And realize, nobody wants to listen to this. Nobody even watches that show. Then, your computer's going to crash 16 times. And you're going to realize, damn it, I've got to record it a fourth time. And somehow explain to my co-host why this keeps happening. Best of all, you're going to have to record on Saturdays when it's nice outside. Your friends and family aren't going to take you seriously. And the best thing is that when it's all over, you still are empty inside. Congratulations on being a podcast host. Perfect, perfect. Well done, well (laughs) done. Thanks, (laughs) man. You're a lawyer. You don't really believe that. I don't know what I believe anymore. Somebody give her a day off, goddammit. Right? Jeez, she could use a nap. Slow pan across the whole office. To Which does, to be fair, look a lot nicer. Look nice. Good job, uh, Lindsay. To commercial. We don't plan on keeping it or nothing. We're just going to ride it around for a while. You had now no we're in the bicycle the case. No. Didn't plan on keeping it, just want to ride it around? You stole it. I'm a mother. Be glad of that. You think you're going to walk into court and talk that soft little victim voice thing and then get set free? It doesn't work like that. Nobody gives a damn if a thief sounds sweet. Now listen to me. I have to be able to tell the judge that you're a good kid, that you feel bad for what you did. Do you feel bad? Yes. Not bad enough you don't. Now, I Whoa! Work on this. You know you what? We have a new character, Rebecca the Cricket Esquire. The bike needs a new tire. Mow a lawn, clean somebody's garage, earn the money. You screw up one more time, and you get another lawyer. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Look people in the eye when you talk to them. Yes. All right. Go on. This kid is played by VP Oliver. 
How was that? Well, a little violent. Different lawyers have different styles. I like to start my career by embezzling money for the firm. Beyond reasonable doubt, (laughs) they don't come close. One of these boys did it. On that much, we can probably agree, but which one? It's closing time. Time to put your case to bed. It's closing time. Otherwise, your client's dead. Closing time. Uh, Already in her clothes, she said conflicting things. She said, probable doubt, probably not. But we're probably sure that one of these kids did it. She used the word probably like six times. That's not very definitive. Probably could use a rewrite. Let's hear again. They don't come close. One of these boys did it. On that much, we can probably agree. But which one? Not Joel Carlington. It was Kevin's room, wasn't it? Joel was taking a walk like he told you. I don't know whether that sounded good to you, but it certainly did to Kevin Pete because he made it his story. Mm. And the prosecution, come on. They don't know who was where, do they? Which is exactly why they had to try these boys together. Mm. They don't know which one was where. And she's banking on one simple thing. You would rather punish them both than to see whoever did it go free. Here's Ms. Gamble's thinking. If these boys get separate trials, it's likely both juries will find reasonable doubt, thinking that the evidence must be there on the other guy. And then you have two quick acquittals. But a combined trial, she's boxed you in. Evidence is the same for both defendants. Either they both go to prison or they both go Probably free. Probably a better opening. And nobody, nobody wants to see them both go free. But also, ooh, that is some Beautiful. grim hair. <laughs> that is, they got some extras getting one shots in this uh, closing here and... Oh, I know it was the 90s, buddy. Yeah, that is. Somebody made that a decision. Somebody got up in the morning and was like, yeah, this is the hair I'm going to bring into work. (laughs) Oh, my God. And then the hair and makeup people were like, yeah, okay. Great. Yeah, Yeah, no, she's going to roll with it. (laughs) But (laughs) Oh, now I feel like we have to screenshot it. No, no, we're terrible people. Nobody, no, no, we're not going to screenshot that. We're going to make anybody who listens try to figure out which person we're talking about, and then they'll feel like the asshole. 30 minutes and 38 seconds into episode one of season three. No. Meanwhile, see, this, this is, this closing here really, I think, clarifies the weakness in this case as, uh, as documented here, because Eugene is n- entirely right. There's so little evidence of kind of anything about which one did this out the other thing. So, but in the real world, we wouldn't just be talking about, well, what do the two guys say happened? There's, like we said, well, all the forensic evidence, got to be tons of more. Yeah. Was she dating evidence. one of them? Who had she told her friends that she was going to hang out with? Blah, blah, blah. There's so much stuff. Like, we are giving less than 1% of this case, and we're supposed to, like. Yeah, we're, we're just, like, pretending that there's no other factors in this case in order to have the TV convenience of, like, not knowing which one did it. Innocent girl. We've been looking at her picture. 
Their I wonder who's is, picture I was that just going to say is. that. I was like, can you imagine? <laughs> Guys, I'm on the practice this week. Oh, yeah? what? How much screen time? Well, uh, it's just my picture. I'm dead and I've been raped. There's a huge Somebody's picture of me a as a pet. dead girl. And the only way to be sure to get the guilty guy is to lock them both up. But it was up. offer only. Because we don't know which one <laughs> did it. Somebody's got to pay. Evidence shows they both brought her back to that room. They both claim they went on a walk. And well, gee, that sets up reasonable doubt, doesn't it? Yeah. You say I did it. I'll say you did it. The jury will never know who. Which is We've why you, as a prosecutor, have to Two go back and do some homework exact to get me some more story. evidence. The exact same denial. That's what you call good planning. It's terrible planning. If there's any other Aren't evidence, they smart, smart college kids. Good planning to leave Whoa. a murdered girl. Oh. <laughs> We have some very impressive extra work going on this episode. 31 minutes and 42 seconds. Get yourself a Hulu. No, no, no. (laughs) Don't give them the time code. Let them figure out. I mean, it's it's like, give me a better case for season one, for for episode one. Yeah, or, I mean, the case is perfectly interesting. Just, like, treat us like we're a little bit smarter. And allow the complexity to be the complexity. Aww. So she's going to work here as a lawyer now. I guess. She'll still do office work while she built a practice, but eventually we'll have to hire a new secretary. I bet her name goes up on the door now. Oh, get over One yourself, name Jimmy. name on the door that doesn't stop with B. <laughs> Relax, Jimmy. Yeah, I mean, you're not getting that raw of a deal, buddy. So Bobby's father is now checking out the uh, conference room. Well, I had lots of help, Dad. I'm proud of you. God damn, he's good. I wish some of the lawyers at Sullivan could see this. Just a great performance there. But here's... Pause it for a second. I have a question about this. So right at the end of the first scene with the dad, he says, would you come over to the office? And he's like, well, today's not good. Can we do it tomorrow? But then the next time we see them, he's there and everything's fine. Why Why do you have that little couplet there if that doesn't mean something? Like, he, you know, like, I can't do it today because I've got feelings about it or I've got a thing. Why even, why not just say, like, sure? Or ha- it feels or, like there might have been, like, a scene yes, that got cut. or have Bobby be like, uh, would you want to come by sometime this week or something? Like, don't make it today and then have his dad turn him down. Because you're right. I read something, like... It, it meant something, but I'm not seeing the payoff. There was some sort of subtext there that he wouldn't, he didn't want to go see it on the first day for some reason. Yeah. But then it, it seems like it's a red herring because he's there and he's a, happy and like there, there is, doesn't seem to be a subtext about but it. But he did come from work because he's in his uniform. Right. Yeah, I don't get it. Are you proud of me? Maybe there's a cutscene. You have to ask me that? Well, we, um,. We never talk too much about my cases and some of the people I represent. I don't know. I, I guess I've I've never been sure that you, son. There isn't a day that I don't say to myself, "Look at him." You know, it's funny. 
I've always wondered if you were proud of me. What? I mop floors. It's the first time in, what, seven or eight years that you invited me over here. This is the first time I've been excited for you to see it. You don't think I'm proud of you, son? You don't think I'm proud of you? Hey, you, um, you haven't seen the library yet. Show me the it has been understated, again. but Dylan's work okay. this entire okay. episode has been stellar Lindsay. also. This is my yeah, dad, really Stephen Donovan. Lindsay Dahl. Pleasure. I've heard so much about you. Mm-hmm. And I've heard so much about you, too. Thanks, Lindsay. Come on. I have all day. Well, like I do, That huh? was awesome of her. Yes, it was. We've we've had some scenes in this episode of the cast being inexplicably brutal to each other, mm-hmm. but also some really nice beats. Fan, fan. <laughs> I'm so glad that they didn't cut all the fans. I know our they, inside uh, joke that we based everything on would have really <laughs> suffered. <laughs> Be so sad. We've invested a lot into our fan joke. What's going to happen here? Madam Foreperson, the jury has reached a unanimous verdict. Unanimous? We have, Your Honor. The defendants will please rise. Well, it has to be unanimous. So they either both get... Can they find just one guilty? What say you? They can. Commonwealth versus Joel Carlington on the oh, yeah. charge of murder in the first degree. We find the defendant not guilty. Fuck. On the charge of murder in the second degree, we find the defendant not guilty. Redhead got away with it. Commonwealth versus Kevin Pete on the charge of murder in the first degree. This is Eugene's We find client. the defendant, Kevin Pete, guilty as Fuck. So say you all? We do. No, oh my God. Oh. Members Based of the jury, complete service. Bailiff take Mr. Pete into custody. Like how was, how do you as a jury member... He's a great case for appeal. Great case that. for appeal. Oh, absolutely. Which would then get him his solo... me. ...trial. Which would they have a real hard time convicting. But that guy can't be retried, so the murderer, if that other kid did it, he's, That's he's right. gone. So Kavanaugh got off scot-free. No, Helen. You got your conviction, but for the wrong guy. But no. Do you believe it? What you said to Rebecca? I don't know, Bobby. I think I've always known that we have to step over lines. I'm not even sure where those lines are anymore. We've seen this scene a couple times. There's nobody guys. I know more moral than you. Well, I don't feel that way. Not for a long time. Well, he knows the people in this office. And <laughs> Lord knows they're not. You know, my dad was here earlier. 
we stood in the conference room wondering whether or not when I got hit by that car lying on the road that that life flashing stuff it happens you know what my flash was a waste I had no kids no family Except my dad, who I never... I can't remember the last time I told him I loved him. And all of you, who I never... I am proud to work with you, Eleanor. I'm sorry you don't know that. It's not too late, you know. Tell your father that you, you're proud of him. I just I did. did in the last scene. Today. It was overdue. Good job, Dylan. Excuse me for a second. Good. They made us shut up for a second. Either that or Mike's mic is. <laughs> Alright, Fred. Bobby? I like some privacy, Lindsay. Fine, I won't let anybody else in. I'm pooping. <laughs> Wait, no. God, the lighting's good. Yeah. So Things good. make a little more sense to me now. That still doesn't make sense to me, but... As a little kid, I'd run around those offices. Wanting to be them. Wanting to dress like them. Go to court. Argue cases. Be important. And at the same time, I hated them. Why? Or the way they treated them. I should say the way they didn't treat him. He was just a janitor. He was never really in the room when he was in the room. Wanna be in the like room you say, where Bobby, it happened? We will never be them. What's our janitor's name? Things I don't know. That Rebecca. You heard all about her. Not for long. I feel so ashamed. You have got some real tears from Dylan. Oh, Dylan is just being like, you know what? Season three, I'm back, yeah, baby. Fuck you, Eleanor. Where's my Emmy? Mr. Young. Yes. Joseph Strand. I was on the jury. Oh. Yes. Do you mind my asking how? We couldn't know who did it. Maybe they both did. Then why did you convict Kevin Pete? He went second. In your closing argument, you talked about why the district attorney wanted a joint trial and so forth. You said a lot of stuff, except you never said your client was innocent. We picked up on that in deliberation. Fuck. Then suddenly there was a swell. That was, you convicted a man on that. Because in my closing, 
Well, you were right about one thing. Somebody's gotta pay. Guy looks like Chris Cooper. Oh, Mr. Young, I just wanted to let you know it's your fault. Yeah, you profoundly fucked this up. And probably brain fucked Eugene into oblivion right there. Shit, we're gonna end on that beat? We're gonna end on that beat. That was Victor Brandt as the juror. Wow. So. Okay, wow. We are one. We are one episode into season three, and shit has gone down already. Man, that was a lot. You stinker. You stinker. Wow, that, that escalated quickly. It sure did. Wow. Okay, well, do you know what it's time for? Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice Podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie! Oopsie. The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention... This is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the oopsies? Okay, it is time to dole out some awards. Now, we just awarded all of the season oopsies in our previous episode, which I'm guessing I'm calling myself from the future and nobody's listened to yet. So do yourself a favor, go back in time and listen to it. Oh, it's gonna, people listen to it, they love it. (laughs) <laughs> highly ranked episode oh, oh definitely which has not been released yet anyway it brings us up to our first award most most valuable lore lawyer season three episode one and this has to be from our cast right the no no MVL can go to anyone who is a lawyer. So listen, on our side, Lindsay didn't really do much. She just decorated this episode. Right, Eugene, she's Eugene, most valuable decorator. Eugene is definitely the worst lawyer. He screwed the pooch. Yeah. Uh, Rebecca was beaten up on a kid. Right. Now, the lawyer for the other kid got her client off and did all her magic tricks and won. I think she's the best lawyer in the episode. Yeah. No, I mean... It's tough. You could say it was Helen, but because she did get a conviction... But she didn't do much uh, work in the... You know what I mean? Like, No, no. In terms of the lawyering that we actually saw... Lee Garlington... <laughs> Lee Garlington, who is credited only as Joel's attorney. So <laughs> we've been eaten by our own loophole. Congratulations, Joel's attorney, Esquire at Law. <laughs> for your oopsie award. Hey. hey, all right. Well, you know, not everyone gets to have a name. So be it. <laughs> now <laughs> Now it is time for... Already famous cause you've been on TV Getting a paycheck Watch first entry on your IMDB Way to go and you're the best guest actor You are the best
on the episode. Well, Keith, that's the super cut you can meet going, well, Keith, well, Keith. Well, Keith, yeah, right. A lot of uh, guest actors popped their heads into this episode and gave little, uh, gave little fun things, <laughs> little fun appearances. But as I think we've alluded to, I have some daddy issues, and so even in the kind of few scenes he was in, I was moved by the relationship between uh, created the chemistry created by Dylan and. Uh, Charles Durning uh, as Stephen Donnell, and I, I don't, I don't know that I can argue it any better than I just thought he was absolutely fantastic in this part. Didn't try to do too much, rolled with it, and that scene where they tell each other they're proud of each other just moved me. Uh, and so my vote goes for Charles Durning. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's, it's fairly obvious. I thought he did a really good job, and honestly, they, in that scene, they both did a really good job because I rewatching it this time sort of a move like removed from my daddy issues and the emotion of it i imagine that scene on the page and it could be pretty cheesy it's very sort of like like directly <laughs> cheesy there wasn't a lot of subtext going on there uh but with two actors firing on these uh, at this level like it was that really moving scene and so they were able to make that work um, it was a good scene. Don't get me wrong, but like they did such a good job with that. So yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Congratulations, Charles Durning, on your first oopsie for playing Bobby's dad. We finally met Bobby's dad. Very exciting. Which now brings us to another award that might be a little anticlimactic this week. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case But you let a single tear run down your face You're the best actor on the show Keith, there's an old saying, ask and ye shall receive. To those of uh, you who haven't listened to our uh, previous episode, our season two wrap-up, which is weird. I, I, we're weirdly salty about nobody listening to an episode that hasn't been. Keith, you're breaking the yet. timeline. In the universe of the listener who's listening sequentially, it has aired. <laughs> Jesus Christ! You should know about this. Anyway, you'll recall that I had one. I had a hope for this season. Do you remember what my hope was? You should, because it was two days uh, ago we recorded that. Yes, it's because you you wanted more of hot sexy bobby mcdonald in your life and boy did i get it this episode not only did i get hot sexy bobby donald getting hit by a car seeing girls walking wearing that fine fine pinstripe suit batting those baby blues but also we get mm, Mike yeah, you better pour those buns into that three-piece uh <laughs> But we also get the fringe benefit of Dylan McDermott firing on every cylinder, acting his hot ass right off. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to let you actually talk specifics, but my vote definitely goes to Dylan McDermott as Bobby Donnell. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think we're both uh, susceptible to any good father-son story, as is pretty much anybody who is either a father or a son. Uh but yeah, I I think he did 
really excellent connected work on this. Um, and not just with the it, dad you know, stuff. I mean, every member, every scene he had across the board was excellent. No, I I frankly think it was Dylan's best work of the series so far. Yeah. Um, it felt it felt very real, very lived in, very grounded in a way that you know the character is written to be pretty stoic a lot, and and so you don't always see inner Bobby uh, working its his way out. And we really did this episode, and so that was very welcome. Um. And, uh, you know, clearly, show won, uh, won Best Drama, and uh, Cameron won, a, won an Emmy. Like, dude wants an Emmy, kids. Yeah. So, uh, congratulations, our good friend Bobby McDonald, Dylan McDermott, on your season-starting Oopsie Award. Now, this brings us to a very controversial award these days. The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady! Now, last week, after an undefeated season of Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady Awards, awards, Tom Brady was beaten out by none other than Eli Manning for the season Tom Brady Award. Send your letters to outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. So, can he get back on the horse? It's a fresh new season Tom Brady Award for Tom being Tom Brady. Who gets well, it? Well, the good news for Tom is that uh, Eli has been benched. So <laughs> he, he been, is yes. not eligible today. Uh, and you know, I what I what you can't do, what you can't deny is that even though he lost, Tom Brady got up the next day and he was still Tom Brady. He continued to exist as Tom Brady. And so That's I right. think that uh this week we award Tom Brady with the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Yeah, it's not whether you get knocked down, it's whether you get back up and exist. Well, even if you keep lying down, if you continue to be Tom Brady, you get the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Congratulations, Tom Brady! Fantastic. Which brings us to the all-important. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. I think pretty ubiquitously across the board, the cases were fairly terrible this week. But the inner office drama and relationships were really kind of fleshed out. I wanted more Bobby. I got more Bobby. You wanted less boys and girls and romance. You got less boys and girls and romance. That's true. So in that department, you know, that's 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 a win. Everything with Rebecca was great. Everything with... Really excited about that Yeah, everything with... And she had a great beat with Jimmy. She had a great beat with Eleanor. Uh, The office gave her a... I mean, all the office uh, interpersonal relationships firing on all cylinders. Where they were let down this week was in the... It feels like the focus of the writing was on that stuff and less on the cases. And, you know, we're still trying a couple of the same tropes that you and I kind of complain about all the time. And so I think it suffers because of that. But it's hard for me not to be excited. I'm also just pumped because we're back. Uh, I'm going to give it yeah. 7.25 stars. Or not stars. Seven? No stars at all. 7.25. No stars. 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 No, I'm taking the 2.5 away. Seven spare tires. Seven spare tires. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with all of that. Um, I think the case itself, uh, I, I think there's an interesting episode to be done about that case, but you have to give it enough time and enough air to get into the complexities and actually uh, make it less obvious. They ended it um, like we're not going to revisit it. So is that how we're going to leave that kid? He goes to jail? It seems like it, which sucks. It does suck. Uh, but it also happens. Yeah. So, um, that said, I love, uh, Rebecca's moving up. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm frankly just happy to see Lisa Gay Hamilton clearly is about to get more work and more interesting work. And that makes me very happy. Um, I also, uh, like the office continuing to grow. Like we, like, we were talking about the end of last season, like, Lindsay's, she's building the office. Like, it, it looks, all of the characters and the physical space have all grown and developed over these, the beginning of the third season. And I, and I like that it's changing. I like that it's, it's having, it feels like it's having a natural amount of growth, which is great. Um, so... I also really like the lighting getting better. Yeah, I mean, it sounds it's really just, dumb, but it, it looks it looks like they're trying a little bit more. It it looks well. It's before it looked like they were trying for something very sort of stylized, and it ended up just feeling washed mm-hmm. out. And so now it is shot a little bit more traditionally, but I'm I'm happy for it. Well, it also you know I should say that like it, it's chalked up to. I was I just kind of assumed because I don't go back and watch a lot of vintage TV, so I just assumed that this is how shitty SD stuff looks like from the early '90s, late '90s. But that's not the truth. The truth is, it it can look really good. Like the image quality is really crisp, and it's you know it's Pro- yeah proportionally yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna uh, last season we gave. A seven rating to the whole season and i think this one raised the bar a little bit so i'm gonna give this one a 7.5 so okay so we meet in that the 7.25 universe 7.25 okay well there it is we've got through the season premiere of the practice and uh Wait, one final thing to tie up before we leave yes. this episode generally they hit us over the head with what the title means i don't think i put my, can put my finger on it Passing go. It means like I guess it's the meta thing, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I guess the meta thing, and then like you know, cars go, and car <laughs> passing. She passed the bar, so now she can go be a lawyer. Right, right. That's it's it's not quite as uh, they didn't say the title like they freaking. I kept listening do. for it. I thought maybe they would. Which I appreciated. Uh, all right. Well, and before I run the credits bumper, I have something. This is a bit of a spoiler, but I think it's important for those practice fans out there. Next episode, we have a new cast member. So look out, kids. Whoa. Like, so like, prepare yourself. Like joining the, ca- new- joining the ensemble. Joining the ensemble. And and somebody who uh, certainly made my heart go pitter pat. Ooh, Keith's thirsty. <laughs> Keith's thirsty. Okay, well that leaves us now with that teased. 
it is time for everyone to go about their day. It's a beautiful Saturday. Go out there and do something nice. Get some groceries for your wife who arrives home tomorrow. Or you could stay inside and write an email to us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. Or, hell, get on your very, very fast, cheap internet and check out outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. Or go outside, sit on a bench, get your cell phone, and check us out on the social media at Out of Practice Podcast. Keep does some yeoman's work there. Keith. I do a lot of stuff, guys. Check out the Instagram. Since you do another podcast that takes up a shit ton of your time, why don't you plug that? Yes. Wisdom of One. We came back with a new episode just yesterday. It's really fun. I'm editing the one after that. It is some crazy-ass nonsense, so definitely go check it out at wisdomofone.com. You don't have to Wisdom be a fan of Dungeons & Dragons. If you're a fan of comedy, if you're a fan of music, if you're a fan of fake commercials, or just fun and good storytelling, I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, it's really just me and my brothers hanging out and bickering and laughing. Which is, you know, what everyone wants to do with their brothers. Or take that laser outside of your mom's face, point it at your best friend, and shoot some laser sounds. Laser sounds.